0: Now it's time for news with my dad. A show where we talk about the news with my dad, and on the phone, playing the role of my dad is, in fact,
1: my dad, the star of our show, Joe Smith. Pop, how you doing? Well, listening to all the stuff you said, we ought to be talking about tells me how much I don't have on my list, and my list is already really long, so we better get at it.
0: This is a show we talk about the news, we try to talk about the important stuff, sometimes we talk about the unimportant stuff, when it's unimportant we try to say, so we take turns, Dad typically takes the first turn, Pop, do you have a shout-out?
1: Two shout-outs. First, shouting out for Philip Blanks and D'Artagnan Alexander, who combined to produce almost a miracle, saving Jameson and Roxy Long, ages three and eight, from a fire in their third floor apartment, where Jameson was thrown out by his mother because of the fire, and Blanks caught him safely, and Alexander ran into the building and got eight-year-old Roxy out mother, Rachel, did not survive, but remarkable thing that happened in Phoenix, and the Vatican Hospital that successfully separated two conjoined twins without losing either one of them, which is a remarkable feat. Congratulations to the Vatican Hospital.
0: Well, Dad, where I want to
1: start before, before we try, I just want to uh, I I acknowledge the something. passing of Alberta Simmons, who was one of the great Portland leaders towards racial justice, and Ralph Bunch, who was a gadfly, a Portland State professor and, and Democratic gadfly who passed away in his 90s. So go ahead. What you were about to say, excuse my interruption.
0: Did you follow the protests over the weekend? in Portland.
1: Yeah, and and the the involvement of federal guys and and the looked looks to me like an absolutely unjustified and despicable act by uh, shooting a guy with an impact munition who was doing nothing but peacefully holding up a sign.
0: Yeah, he was being annoying. But that's not a reason to shoot somebody in the face with a rubber bullet or a pellet gun or whatever the heck that thing was. Uh, the, if you watch, the and when I say being annoying, that was his job as a protester. Uh, and he was standing there holding a boombox uh, and uh, Donovan LaBella was his name late on Saturday night, was outside the federal courthouse, uh, the Hatfield building, and U.S. Marshals shot him, or we should probably say a U.S. Marshal shot him. He's standing between two cars across the street from the officers, holding a speaker above his head, uh, li- uh, like out of the movie. Officers first threw a tear gas canister towards him, and he uh, he tossed it away from himself, but he didn't toss it at the officers. He just kind of tossed it in the center right, of the he street. He just
1: tossed about halfway across, We're so wouldn't get away him.
0: And the video then shows an impact munition hitting him in the head and him just dropping to the ground. Good news is he's alive but he did suffer from facial and skull fractures. He's going to have to have some version of facial reconstruction. Uh, some of the discussion was well the protesters were pointing lasers, green lasers at the and you could see him in the video uh, and and I think that's a felony. I think you're not allowed to shoot somebody
1: uh, yeah, but, aim but lasers somebody. he could have been pointing a laser. But he wasn't pointing had a both laser. Hands holding the side.
0: He wasn't holding He he had no laser cuz both of his hand, he had his hands up. Quite literally. And I think that the question I have on this one, do you think this will reignite the discussion? The legislature is meeting this week, Wednesday through Friday. On Last week they had invited testimony. This week there is public testimony. They're going to be meeting this week, Wednesday through Friday, on uh, issues of transparency and police accountability. Do you think this will uh, stoke that fire a little more, urge the legislature to take, Another run at more significant reforms than they took in Lascaux?
1: I hope that it will, but we should note that in this particular area, the legislature really has, there's nothing they can do because you're, you're dealing with a federal agency. Uh, and when we, say, when we say marshals, whether, whether it was a, a DOJ marshal or a Homeland Security person who DDT has told to, to uh, has deployed, uh, they uh, they are not under control of the, of the state and it's, the only way we can do something about that is get rid of the awful man in the white house
0: the mayor did make a comment and made several comments later on he got criticized by Willamette week on sunday for staying silent since july 9th when federal officials arrived and starting started policing i'm using that uh, i'm using Air quotes, as I say, policing the streets. Mayor Wheeler hadn't said anything. And really nobody else on the city council said anything either. Chloe Daly then ended up sending something out after the uh, after the incident Saturday night. But finally, Wheeler did speak and he asked that the federal officials follow the guidelines they're giving the police officers. So I do think that the rules that are placed on Portland Police, Will have signaling effects when the uh, when marshals, when homeland security officials, when national guard officials are brought in to supplement the police or even replace the police. And I do think that that will send a signal. And of course, it remains and, and it stays important even when, uh, in all the circumstances, the most circumstances when they're not around. Uh, Dad, anything else on that? I, I, are you thinking about maybe testifying again? You testified previously, and the issue you testified on before is still up. They didn't vote on that before. They killed the bill. rather. They gut and stuffed they it. They
1: gut and stuffed it.
0: And so you think you might testify Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday about the issue of where investigations of police officers' use of force should happen? Currently it happens at DA's office, offices around the state, and you have a critique of that.
1: Well, I would be pleased to testify, but, but I would be basically saying the same thing. Uh, I would be happy to be able to talk a little longer than the two minutes they allowed me.
0: Well, you could do part two. <laughs> uh,
1: I, I, should probably, I should probably ask Lou's advice on that.
0: You should probably testify. That's what I think. I think you should testify because it, what we, when we interviewed Janelle Bynum, she made pretty clear that there was not as much testimony by citizen advocates before the legislature as there was in front of the city. You had like a record-setting number of people go in and testify about the police budget. But when they're talking about whether tear gas could be should be used, can be used, talking about whether rubber bullets can be used, whether talking about how police officers will be held accountable, and not and rules that won't only happen, only impact, excuse me, the Portland Police Bureau, but also the Multnomah County Sheriff's Office, also all the police bureaus around the state, 36 counties around the state, all the sheriff's offices around the state, 36 sheriff's offices around the state. Uh, There was much less interaction. And I've said before, I think there's multiple reasons for that. Maybe the biggest was the very short timeline that was offered and not a lot of publicity about when that was going to happen. Next, not everybody knows who their state legislator is. Like people kind of know Ted Wheeler has very, very high name recognition. But can everybody listening to this call name your state representative and state senator? I hope so. If not, you can Google it. I'm not here to I'm not here to in, information shame you, but there isn't as much profile on legislators, and that is one other barrier on engagement. But this Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday is the testimony. You can go to OLIS, O L I S, that's the Oregon Legislative Information Service. Not to be confused with OLIS, which is the official chart of most popular music in Poland. True story, by the way. It's a different OLIS. But Olis Oregon legislative information System, if you Google that, you can find anything any bill, you can find what hearings there are. And you can find also that on Wednesday, excuse me, it's the 16th, which might be the Thursday, they are also taking testimony on the I- I-5 bridge expansion. And tomorrow, Dad, is the emergency board when they're going to be making decisions on uh, on big budgetary expenditures, emergency expenditures, including those related to COVID-19. And I have something I want to ask you about that, too. Anything else on protests you want to make sure we cover?
1: Well, I think this this would be a relevant time when we're talking about police generally to mention the serious proposals that are floating around for changing the control of the police department in Portland, one of which, uh, what, one idea is to have a commission that is an independent commission that hires the chief. The commission would be chaired by the chief, but they would hire the chief and with real, real power to... Uh, investigate and recommend discipline for officers just various ideas that that second thing keep an eye on
0: that second thing I think matters. I the chief thing I think doesn't matter nearly as much as we think it does we have had so much chief turnover because each time something happens well there's a replacement of the police chief we've had what is it eight or nine said I said the number oh, four the,
1: the the hiring and firing of the police chief is not the big thing of it it, it, it is it is rem- removing the control of the police from a the mayor or a commissioner
0: what i'm saying i don't think that the uh that having you're saying the review of use of force or the review of the police chief because i think having the the mayor controlling the being the police commissioner might or might not be a problem now it might be a problem because they're worried that the rank and file that the that the death sergeants that the shift official the, the shift sergeants or, uh, you know, they, they don't want to offend them, they don't want to shake things up too bad, maybe they don't have all the expertise before they become mayor. Those are potential issues. Uh, but I think there's uh, the review of offices, I think that could matter, but I guess I'd want to understand better the case that uh, that, that level of independence just for the chief picking would be an important move.
1: Well, the, the, the important change that needs to happen is that we still have not succeeded in giving any civilian review board of any kind real teeth to investigate that I get. and to discipline.
0: That I get. That The Seattle Police Department is claiming that half of its black, indigenous, people of color police officers will be laid off as a result of the proposed budget cuts. They tweeted it out over the weekend, posted a graph, showing the loss of officer diversity if the city follows through with the proposed budget cuts. is
1: that because of of last in, first out?
0: Yep. Here's the Seattle Police Chief, Carmen Best, posting a statement on YouTube. We can play that clip. I do not believe we should ask the people of Seattle to test out a theory that crime goes away if police go away. That is completely reckless. So... Dad, is there an alternative to seniority-based layoffs? It's, uh, and I think you're exactly right, by the way. Yes, it is a result of this. is Because m- efforts to diversify the police force have been more intense more recently. Uh, and uh, and the more long-standing officers, the officers with greater seniority, are more likely to be white. But yeah, what would you do if you were in the position of the Seattle City Council who I would did look have that very vote?
1: seriously? At what Camden, New Jersey, did seven years ago, which I have talked about uh, and written about as a matter of fact, in the last couple of weeks, when Camden simply abolished the police department and created a new police department. And hired back about two-thirds of the officers that had been in the old one, but they were not they did not have to be governed by seniority. They could hire back those who they thought were were going to be the most compatible with the change of direction that they thought was necessary. And uh, it, it was particularly in reaction to the power of the police union in Camden. And I think that's something that uh, Portland could take a serious look at. Uh, it, the, it's, it's not defunding the police. It's getting rid of the police we have and starting over again and hiring hiring cops who are willing to join in a new culture.
0: Or if we had uh, Joanne Hardesty's brother's with respect to uh, Portland Street Response, that a new force, a new bureau, a new institution that might not be called cops might have public safety training. We certainly would have public safety training, might or might not have carry a gun regularly, would have access to one. uh, And those could and the and the best officers who the most promising officers, including young officers who had been police officers, could be eligible for those Positions, so yeah, your move of your move of of starting something new and then making sure that prioritization of uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion is laid in there and embedded right at the beginning, uh, that does seem to be sensible. That, and,
1: and at the same time, should be created either as a separate bureau altogether, or as a separate, pretty autonomous department within the new organization, responders who are trained to deal with people with, un, in mental crises, so that when there's somebody, yeah. when there's a report that comes in, there's somebody doing crazy stuff, you don't send somebody out with whose principal training was at the police academy, whereas if you're threatened, shoot quick, you send out people... Hopefully, without guns at all, to address the mental health crisis, and the same thing with dealing with homeless, because the 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 number the, the amount of time that uh, police officers are presently expected and indeed required, just to believe by the system, to deal with people who are acting out because of mental problems, and we're dealing with homeless folks. and and there's a lot of crossover, by the way, between those two, is immense. Well, that would then that would then enable the the police qua police to deal with things like burglaries and car thefts. And and
0: uh, yeah, the Portland Street, Portland Street response. When I said that, that is essentially the, the impetus of that is focusing on mental health training, focusing on people experiencing homelessness, for instance, of which there's a high correlation with uh, with mental distress when their police called in that circumstance Uh, dad what do you got next
1: well I think we I I want to talk a little bit about Roger Stone we got to talk about of course everybody's talking about Roger Stone but I have a thought on Roger Stone and that is first I can't help but notice that all the folks that uh, maintain their loyalty to Trump and then been convicted of crimes are right now out of jail and uh, the only one who isn't out of jail is Cohen, who is stuck back in jail because apparently because he wouldn't promise not to write a book while he was out. But but the question that nobody has talked about is why did DDT commute rather than pardon? And I have a theory.
0: What's your theory? And the theory just to be clear, just to be uh, clear, let, let me finish, but let me let me break in just to catch people up. I. Oh, uh, the president commuted, which means he reduced the sentence, but by not pardoning means the guy's still a convicted felon, as Mueller made clear when he wrote his op-ed. Uh, he was supposed to begin his 40-month sentence just days before Trump commuted that sentence. We actually have a clip uh, from Roger Stone. Why don't we hear that before it pops theory? The judge has ordered me to uh,
1: surrender in two, mo- two weeks, uh, and at 67 years old, with some underlying health problems, including a history of asthma. I believe with the coronavirus, it is essentially a death sentence.
0: Dad, what is your view of why he got his sentence commuted rather than getting a full pardon?
1: Because DDT has a very good instinct for the risk of people turning on him. And Stone did not turn on him. And, matter of fact, Stone said in so many words that he had not turned on him. If there were an absolute pardon, there would really be nothing that DDT could hold out as a potential to keep Roger Stone in line. And, and, and for example, I suspect that Roger Stone could make a lot of money. If he decided to write a book and tell all that he refused to tell or that he lied about that resulted in his conviction. But by holding back the pardon, hey, that that, that kinda keeps Roger in line. That's my theory. And while we're talking about Muller, by the way, Muller's op ed said, Hey, wanna make clear Roger Stone is still a convicted felon but Anybody who, can, who has access to the current New Yorker, which is a two-week edition, the 6th and the 13th of July, should get it because there is a really, really good article in there which amplifies what you have been saying from the beginning about Mueller, that he really, his work really was simply a failure
0: the uh, where I'm trying to go, I'm trying to push this in the future is we do sort of a topic angle question thing that we give our take and then we try to set each other up to have a discussion about it. Uh, and I appreciated your answer to that one I thought that was an interesting uh, I think that's an interesting take, Dad. And I think it's related to the question I got asked over the weekend, which is about the timing. Why did Donald Trump, Commute the sentence of Roger Stone now rather than later, and I'm going to.
1: I think he was trying. It was just one more example of what he does when he wants people's attention drawn elsewhere, and he doesn't want people looking, talking about what's happening with COVID.
0: So, uh, what I, what I was going to offer was that the uh, that normally, if you look at pardons you look at like Bill Clinton, for instance, his most controversial pardons happened at the very end of his presidency when he let out, was it McDougall, the guy who was uh, convicted over Whitewater? That was the very end of his presidency, and it was after the election. Doing this before the election means it's yet another example of the president uh, rewarding his friends, punishing his enemies, and potentially strengthening the American people's understanding of his connection to corruption for his own benefit and potentially weakens his re-election bid. But he did it now. Why not wait? Why not wait until well, after this the
1: election? This strengthens his base because Fox News, Hannity and company, have all been talking about, what, about how unfairly Roger Stone was treated. So you got 35% of the folks out there who think that, yeah, well, this is what the president ought to do.
0: Uh, well, I'll offer my take on the timing, which was that Donald Trump's strategies, as I've said, for a long time is a tit-for-tat strategy. If you follow game theory, it is uh, pretty close to the most effective strategy in game theory that there is. You reward your friends and you punish your enemies, and you do it immediately. If somebody does something nice to you, you do something nice back. If they do something mean to you, you do something mean back. And you just keep going and just keep playing that game. Uh, It is not a principled game. It is a game based just on power. Roger Stone by sending this signal by continuing this habit. Hey, if you stay my friend, I reward you and I reward you promptly. I reward you so people can see it. Also send signals to potential allies and adversaries or current allies and adversaries who might either do a nice thing or not a nice thing. It sends them an additional signal. That'd be my argument why you do it now rather than later. Dad, I liked your take about, yeah, but that still allows him to do a pardon later which keeps Stone potentially, you know, closer to the throne.
1: Yep and it and it, it it also sends a message to anybody out there who is debating whether or not to turn on or to risk going to jail for not turning on that uh, the the president is, m- might be thinking about you
0: Dad, the United States has broken a record with a tenth billion weather disaster. It's come earlier than any other year. I say this on the anniversary of the 2002 Biscuit Fire. That's the first big weather disaster that was in my consciousness at the same time climate change was in my consciousness. This was when lightning storms caused five simultaneous fires that ended up converging into one big conflagration that burned for over four months. The current data is outpacing the United States' current average of $14 billion storms per year. Since we're at 10, that sort of puts us on track for 20. Severe storms have primarily taken place in southeastern states, including tornado outbreaks, hailstorms, generalized severe weather, and we're just now starting fire season. If climate disasters cost the United States billions of dollars, Dad... Do you think that there will be more action from lawmakers to create a healthier climate? uh, Or do you think that depends almost entirely on the result of the congressional elections in November? The latter. Yeah, I I think I might have said the latter.
1: I just I just you you've got such such a burned in denial in the Republican members of Congress. Based upon the the great denial of folks, especially in the southeastern part of the country, about the l- reality of climate change, that uh, that as long as they're in charge, it's not going to happen.
0: And Dad, anything else before we talk about COVID-19?
1: Nope, I'd like to talk about COVID-19, and there's a lot to talk about.
0: Well, let's start with Florida. Flor-
1: 15,000, more than 15,000 in a day. U.S., more than 70,000 in a day. Holy cow, in in over 40 Florida hospitals maxed out their ICU beds. whoa. Excuse me for interrupting, but that's, previously, that's where we start.
0: Previously, 5% of Florida tests were coming back positive. Now, 19% of tests are coming back positive. They began reopening in May. On Saturday, some Disney World parks reopened. The Republican National convection, Convention, convection, it's not an oven, is going to be held in Jacksonville, Florida in August. Uh, that COVID case has been rising in Oregon as well as reopening takes effect. Is this just a case of us criticizing Florida, or could the same thing happen here in Oregon if reopening continues?
1: It can happen here, and as a matter of fact, there's some prediction that we're going to have a real spike, a real surge of spike coming. Of course, our our numbers are so low to begin with that uh, a doubling is still leaves us with well, looking quite good when you look at at it, cases per million population or cases per thousand population, whichever you prefer. But we we are so far from being out of the woods in dealing with COVID, it is just scary. And, and there are all kinds of... Uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, which is coincidentally a sister city to Wuhan, which was looked upon as a, a good point. They're having a bad surge. The uh, uh, Harvard Global Health Initiative says that, we're, that our testing right now is about 39% of the testing that is needed. There's a surge in Clark County, which for folks who are not familiar with local geography, is the county directly across the river from Multnomah County, which surrounds Portland. Whoa!
0: And, Dad, health workers are fearing new shortages of PPE, of personal uh, personal protective equipment, uh, masks, gowns, other protective equipment, and they're afraid it's happening again. They w- faced shortages earlier, and they're f- worried that now it is happening once again. They're sounding alarms. Many are worried that their grievances are going unnoticed. Dad, why isn't supply meeting demand... Four months after it became clear, and maybe more than four months because we probably should have, the president, Dr. Fauci, the United States government should have recognized this back in January. So maybe we're six months into this. But how come supply is still having a hard time meeting demand four months later?
1: Because there is no leadership at the national level addressing this and recognizing that it is not. A sprint, but a marathon to deal with the pandemic. There just isn't any le- leadership there. And and to, to, to just one example of what can happen to a community was what happened to Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi, of course, in Texas, is uh, a town, a city that borders. Gulf of Mexico has wonderful beaches and great water, great tourist place on June 15th. That's just 4 weeks ago. The total number of COVID cases in Corpus Christi, the total for the whole the whole period was 360. Do you know what they had last Wednesday, just one day? No. 445. Yeah. What happened? Well, what happened was that Labor Day or not Labor Day, Memorial Day weekend, everybody came to Corpus Christi. The hotels were all full, the Airbnbs were all full. People not wearing masks and people partying together and being together. Well, they say that it takes about four weeks for the three or four weeks for t- to show, stuff to show up. And bingo, it has showed up. And that's just something that we have to recognize. And, and we've got to recognize that as we, we open up, masks really are serious. Fred Meyer, shame on you for letting customers come in without masks. Shame on you. And shame on any customer who tries to do that.
0: Well, Dad, in Oregon, cases have been, the a significant piece of the outbreak in Oregon has been traced to a bachelor party and a fraternity party. Yeah. 7,300 cases a day is the bad case scenario that we could see by the end of July if we see a 10% uptick. Good news, we won't run out of ho- hospital capacity in the next two months. We've got plenty of hospital capacity in the next two months, but if cases continue to increase past two months, we could start reaching capacity in our hospitals. The, uh, in our, in our worst-case scenario, we could be faced with 76 severe cases a day, and that would strain our ICU bed, our intensive care uh, capacity.
1: Yeah, the uh-huh. predicted range is remarkably large, from over 1,700 over 7,000. That's a very serious range. A a, a guy in a guy's last his dying words in Texas, he went to a COVID party because he believed it was a hoax, and his last words were, "I thought it was a hoax. I made a mistake."
0: OHA maintains that informal gatherings are in fact causing more, far more infections than visits to businesses. So the 48 active workplace outbreaks, just two appear to be in dine-in restaurants. Uh, but social gatherings like the bachelor party and like exercise classes uh, and other informal gatherings seem to be the things that are getting people more sick. Because you think, I mean, you can sort of do your math, where are people going to get closer? If you're shopping at some place, you know, you're not necessarily arm-in-arm arm with the person next to you. But if you're in a social gathering, very often you are sitting around a table together. Very often you are closer shoulder to shoulder-to-shoulder. Also, think about ventilation. If you're in like a storefront place, the door is opening more. They're, they probably have a better HVAC system. Uh, people aren't in there quite as long, so they're not getting as many particles in there. Uh, in a social gathering, the, the ventilation is probably a little bit less, probably a little worse and you're in again closer quarters and probably there for a little longer than you're there at the subway so uh, be real careful when you think if you're going to start expanding your circle and hanging out with friends or having parties that could be the thing that is most worrisome
1: what will be interesting to see is how how much the the fact that more and more places around the country things are getting worse rather than better Will influence people's decision to attend things like the Republican National Convention in Jacksonville. Uh, I'm wondering if there won't there won't be at least a sum some and maybe even a significant number of potential delegates and lookers on who'll decide that maybe it's not such a good idea to go. Well,
0: it's not such a good idea to go. It's the Republican Convention. <laughs> I didn't mean. I mean, you know, you should go. They ought to get sick. That's what I mean here, Dad. Do
1: I remember? Didn't you attend the last two Republican conventions?
0: I've been to, no, I don't think so.
1: I think I've been to one. As a reporter,
0: we did. We we went to one, didn't we? I I lose track, Dad. I've been to multiple conventions. I sort of lose track. Apparently, it's the first thing to go. Bob, here's the thing: New Zealand has no more cases. Okay, you can't go. We can't go there because they don't want our dirty selves.
1: Uh, we can't go there partly because they they don't have any and don't want any more.
0: Not partly, entirely. <laughs> George, uh, I almost said George Bush. Donald Trump has finally gotten his wish that there is a wall around the United States, and that wall is one that no other country wants us to travel to their country with our stinky COVID nineteen selves. But here's the thing, Dad. How long do you think a flight is from China to, to like Beijing, let's say, to New Zealand, let's say Auckland? How long do you think that flight is? Because if I look at the map and, you know, they, they look closer than us. How long do you think the flight is?
1: Well, I would guess that from New Zealand to, Ch- well, of course, China is very large. W- where in China? I said there, Beijing. It, it could take maybe five. What, five one of the closer places, let's say
0: Beijing, China? a little so, closer to the south.
1: The closest place?
0: I said Beijing.
1: Okay, well Beijing is is not would not be the closest place, but I would guess probably around 8 hours, maybe 9. It's 12. Is it 12 that many? It's the
0: same distance. So I thought it was like 3. Like and and partly because I keep forget I keep getting wrong because I learned too much of my geography from the board game Risk. And so I think that where uh, New Zealand is is essentially where Papua New Guinea is because New Zealand isn't on the risk map. And you can go to change.org, by the way, and sign a petition to add New Zealand to the risk map. But anyway, well,
1: Yeah, you forget you forget that New Zealand, New Zealand is really uh, we think of it as being opposite Australia, but it's opposite the very southern end of Australia.
0: Exactly. It's on, the, it's on the south of Australia. And you add that to the Mercator projection map. And whereas to me, New Zealand seems a lot closer to China than we do. Like a lot closer. I thought it would be like three hours. But it turns out about a 12-hour flight. Portland to Beijing, also about a 12-hour flight. So anyway, just a fun fact. Just just because I know people tune in to News of My Dad to get their geography facts. And we want to make sure we're giving the people what they well, want.
1: While we're talking about overseas and COVID, Okinawa which has the natives of Okinawa. Okinawa, of course, is actually part of... It's an island that belongs to and is considered part of Japan. They had about 150 cases for natives, 68 cases just for the U.S. Marines that are there, which probably will have some influence on the vote that's about to happen in Okinawa on whether or not they want to have... to to have a U.S. base there at all. The... uh, And while we're talking about uh, their Japan, which had been doing apparently pretty well, looks like Japan is getting a surge of COVID, too. I call them COVID. Well, the White House decides this is a time to attack Fauci because they say Fauci made mistakes. And, of course, Fauci not only has made mistakes, he has acknowledged that he made mistakes when he, he at one point said was not pushing people to wear masks. And now he is pushing the people to wear masks. But the hypocrisy of the White House in that one is is not a surprise.
0: All right, Pop. Election news and also Washington, D.C. The Washington, D.C. football team is going to have a new name. We don't know what it is yet. Do you have a proposal for the Washington football team's name?
1: That's <laughs> no, one That's one possible that. what, name. Just call it I, the Cough. What coughs. would I name them? Um... Uh, the renegades how come I don't know (laughs) it just comes to me (laughs) they've been a renegade for so long but a renegade has has no uh, no overtones of racism how about the lobbyists it it does have lobbyists that'd be good I was going to
0: say is there any force more powerful how about the swamp the swamp dragons the swamp rats that'd be pretty good (laughs) That'd be pretty good. And I mean, maybe that's that's just another way of saying lobbyists. I don't know. But it'll be drained by then. There won't be any more. It's not going to be a swamp anymore, Dad. Just give Donald Trump another term. No more swamp. Uh,
1: And by the way, segueing to Washington, D.C., from COVID, I just think it's worth mentioning that the CDC decided to stand firm and did not change their recommendations after all. So I, I suspect that DDT, who is not speaking to Fauci, will probably now not be speaking to the head of the CDC, who has struck me consistently as pretty mediocre in his leadership. And Betsy DeVos was not willing, was double down on the threat to tell schools that they wouldn't have federal money if they didn't open up. So that's something for us to watch. Did did you catch Did you catch Biden's speech? No. Well, it was a major speech. I mean, and there was just a whole lot in it, and very, very significant. He he said he wanted to double the tax on foreign profits. He wanted to increase the corporate tax rate back to, to up to twenty eight percent, which is not as high as it's historically been. Historically, it's been as high as forty eight, but he wanted to increase that. That he wants to spend $400 billion for infrastructure stuff. He wants that would include clean energy and advanced technology and address the theft of technology. He said we ought to have $15 an hour minimum wage. He wanted to enhance the ability to form and maintain unions. He said that there ought to be a public option in healthcare. He said that he wanted to f- to multiply by three times the money for Title I schools, wanted to have significant money so that preschool was available to all children, not, not uh, just daycare but preschool. Just a, a a whole bunch of stuff that he said that ought to ought to encourage people who have uh, who, who have been Sanders supporters or Warren supporters. And very significant that Sanders and Warren apparently feel very good about the result of the task forces that Biden had caused to be created and Biden's embracing of the result of those task forces. Do you have any thoughts on those?
0: Well, what I do have a thought on in terms of the election is, uh, is Alabama. And, or I, I also wanted your take on the Alabama primary, Pop, which is tomorrow. Uh, the uh, Right now, uh, Tommy Tuberville. Is it Tuberville, Tuberville? He is the former...
1: What will happen to Jeff Sessions?
0: He is the former coach of the Auburn Tigers college football team running as Jeff Sessions, who's the former coach of the Department of Justice, the United States government under Donald Trump, that recused himself and... Following along with our game theory, reward your friends, punish the enemy strategy of Donald Trump. Ever since then, Donald Trump has been lambasting Sessions. But for that, I think Sessions would cruise into the uh, not the Republican nomination. Dad, do you have uh, the the questions I could ask you are manifold, or at least multiple. One is, do you have any predictions on that race? Tuberville's up by only a couple percentage points, maybe, and turnout based on the kind of voters they attract maybe that's different than what the polls will say. Again, that election is tomorrow in Alabama. And do you think it matters for Doug Jones, the current Democrat who holds that seat, who beat uh, who beat the was it Roy it's not Roy Jones it's Doug Jones and Roy Moore, uh, Roy Jones, the boxer, who beat Roy Moore in the previous in the previous special election. Uh, do you have a do you have either a prediction in that race or any analysis on how it might impact the general?
1: I, it would be foolish of me, with, with not my just my geographic distance from Alabama, but the the lack of access to local news for me to make any kind of prediction. But I will say that it might be it might be a harbinger of of where. D D T is because he has come out vocally against Jeff Sessions, and it it really could be a a referendum on what's uh, what what the the base is feeling about D D T. We'll see on that, and as as to whether or not, as to what the effect might be in the general, I would guess. But I would guess that Sessions would be the weaker candidate. But but that's, uh, I, I do not... And how come? How come you think so? Just, cause the, just
0: cause because of the cut of their jib?
1: Because DDT is, if he won uh, with the DDT's opposition, DDT might not be offering him a whole lot of help in the fall.
0: It is uh, the most interesting analysis I saw, and I agree, I don't... Ha- have any local knowledge of Alabama politics, although we did have a guy who who uh, resided with the bus project who was wanting to build a pro-democracy and did end up building a pro-democracy group in Alabama who is now very involved. Maybe Tuberville's victory is better for Doug Jones, that for those Republicans, those voters in a Republican primary who are susceptible to anti-Trump messages, for, that aren't just presidential loyalists who watch Lincoln Project ads on social media or otherwise, who are concerned about what Donald Trump is doing to and has done to the Republican Party, that if uh, that those voters are more likely to vote for Sessions, the candidate that Trump is not pushing. Those voters might also be the voters that are willing to buck with Trump in and that Trump's hand-picked uh, Republican candidate... Uh, Tommy Tuberville, and instead might vote for the Democrat, might vote for Doug Jones in the general. Either way, I think Doug Jones has a tough race to go. Uh, but, uh, but that was my favorite analysis. I saw any other election news, Pop?
1: No, I don't have any other election news. But I'd, I'd like to laundry list uh, some national stuff that I think is worth mentioning, and then then go, then come back to all kinds of national stuff and state and local. So much to talk about.
0: Go ahead with your laundry list.
1: The. Hong Kong is going to be voting on a new parliament. My feeling is that it may may turn out to be meaningless because it looks to me like Xi has decided he is going to impose China upon Hong Kong. Already they're saying they're going to revamp the schools so that children are brought up to respect China so they will not protest. Poland is having a presidential election, just had a presidential election, and it's so close that while the, the uh, polls that's at, at the voting places say it looks like Duda, maybe 51 to 49, so close they don't know. The significance of that is Duda is the authoritarian incumbent, and Trostkowski, or however his name is pronounced, the Warsaw mayor, was looked upon as more progressive, Turkey, Erdogan has decided that the Hagia Sophia Church that was built hundreds and hundreds of years ago as a Christian church then was a mosque for a while and then became a museum which was a really good compromise it's going to become a mosque once again China and Iran may be about to enter into a deal for over 25 years China to provide $450 billion of aid for project's Ranging from railway and all kinds of projects, including military joint military exercises in exchange for Iranian oil. When if that happens, it's going to significantly reduce the effect of any sanctions that we might, that the United States might try or it does impose or try to impose. The China is retaliating. For Against the trade sanctions and the sanctions that DDT is imposed on specific individuals, they are saying they're going to they're retaliating by saying that Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio, among others, will not be allowed to travel to China. Oh, I don't know how significant that is. And then as a subway segue back to National, Michael Peck, the new head of the of Voice of America is purging Voice of America of its foreign journalists and refusing get, denying their visas, which just demonstrates more and more that that PAC apparently is under instructions to turn the voice of America into a DDT voice. And for those who are not familiar with why we call Donald Trump DDT, DDT, of course is a poison. That is the significance. DDT is a poison. And the middle D stands for Donald. The T stands for Trump. And the first D stands for the adjective you get to choose, which could be despicable, deplorable, disgusting. You pick the one you like.
0: Dad, Judge McShane has ruled that the stay-at-home orders during the pandemic have placed an undue burden on signature-seekers which didn't apparently stop the drug legalization measures or decriminalization measures, but did prove to be a barrier to the redistricting measure. That's IP57. If you were
1: ever looking for a gross example of judicial activism, I don't think you could come up with a better example than that, where he is saying that he is just saying that doesn't matter what the statute says, doesn't matter what Oregon law says, it's going to be what I say, and in the face of the fact that two initiatives have apparently managed to make it to the ballot.
0: And a third one locally, a third one in Multnomah County. Judge McShane's order would make it so that they only needed 59,000 signatures, or, in fact, that even just based on the 64,000, not 64,000 valid, but 64,000 overall signatures they've turned in, that Bev Clarno has the authorization to put the redistricting measure on the November ballot. Dad, it's before the Ninth Circuit uh, Court of Appeals. You already offered your opinion on that. Any prognostications of what will happen going forward?
1: Well, I will be really disappointed if the Court of Appeals does not overturn that simply on the ground. There's just, there's just no justification for it to, for, for, to turn the judge into a legislature, there's particularly a federal judge into the state legislature. There just isn't any justification for it.
0: Well, there was precedent. There is an an example in another state of where uh, where a natural disaster problem, where a big social problem did slow down signature gathering, and they gave them more time. Something else that's happening, Dad, this week, The emergency board is meeting. That is the legislative body that can make budgetary decisions in between legislative sessions. And one of the things they're facing is venue closure. So the Oregon Symphony has canceled concerts until 2021. And they have a big financial request to the legislature alongside organizations like the opera and the ballets or the big cultural institutions based in Portland. Another potentially competing request is from independent venues, places like Mississippi Studios, and, and to acknowledge they're a partner of ours, and other venues all around the state. Do you have a, uh, a thought on how you would prioritize those requests?
1: Oh, boy. Hard to prioritize because they all are legitimate and they really are important to the overall cultural health, and cultural health has a whole lot to do with overall health of a community. Generally, I think they should look, however, to the things that benefit the most people, and I have to confess, as a symphony aficionado who was for years, had season tickets to the symphony until I stopped doing it because my wife really didn't like the symphony all that much but uh, that it should should bend in that direction. But generally what this gives me the thought, the time has come to for state governments to the extent they can and the federal government to the extent it can, which is very large, to say a little bit like, oh, I, I'm trying to remember the name of, of the, the thief who was a bank robber who asked why he robbed banks, and he said, well, that's where the money is to recognize that we really do need a whole lot of money, a lot of money, to keep things going that are important to our civilization, and therefore they ought to be looking very seriously at folks who have billions of dollars or hundreds of millions and billions of dollars in assets that they will never use other than to try to maintain their ability to add to the hundreds of millions or billions of dollars with a serious property tax.
0: And there might, in fact, be a both. It isn't necessarily either or, but the requests are in some tension and issues they'll address, principles that they will uh, wrangle with include non-profit versus for-profit include uh, which institutions organizations are more capable of weathering the storm of being able to be out of business for a while and still have enough of an endowment enough reserve to be able to survive and of course community impact and we'll be watching closely that's happening this week another thing happening this week are the hearings on police transparency and use of force there was a first round they proposed six bills during that session Each of the major amendments weakened the bills that were proposed. The district attorneys, the sheriffs around the state, the police chiefs around the state, they were very active. And there were some civil rights lawyers who were engaged as well, but not as much sort of lasting, ongoing lobbying connection with the activist community. Maybe that is a little bit obvious, but that showed in how power translated. That do you think the dynamic will be any different the second go-around? Do you think there'll be a chance for more civic engagement in this second round of potential reforms?
1: I'm not going to say what I think. I will say what I hope, and I hope that there will be. But we'll see.
0: I-5 expansion, that hearing is on the 16th. The most recent news, of course, is Albina Vision. Uh, The Albina Vision group came out now opposed to the I-5 expansion after it became clear to them that the Oregon Department of Transportation wasn't offering the kind of uh, reconstructive justice, restorative justice that had been indicated that is, of course, connected to the big bridge expansion project, formerly known as, maybe still currently in some circles known as the Columbia River Crossing. They're addressing that on the 16th. Again, Poppin, you hesitate to make predictions, but any understanding about the dynamic uh, whether the Albina Vision change of heart is going to slow down the momentum for the massive highway expansion on I-5, or do you think it's Business as usual, and the white politicians will listen when it comes to police reform, but might not listen when it comes to uh, building trades jobs.
1: Well, th- this this is going to be a tougher one because you do have the building trades who are there, where and and very influential in the overall labor movement. Uh, they they hold some they hold a significant vote uh, in the labor labor movement, and the labor movement, of course, is very important to demo- particularly Democratic politicians, so that is tougher. I, I just I just keep hoping it, and, and you asked if I was going to testify, I'm thinking that was, that's one that I may really try to testify on, th- th- there are just so many things that can be done to address that problem that do not require destroying even more of, uh, of portland neighborhoods and wasting all kinds of money and producing very little and over the long run no real benefit with money that could be spent elsewhere but, and you also you also have the the culture at the department of transportation and the the culture that is fostered by the folks who serve on the commission that runs that governs the department they they like to spend money on big projects
0: well dad we're coming to the time we're about to talk to Katie Watkins any burning story that you need to shout out a quick headline to and then let's do a straw in the wind
1: oh wow I thought we were going to 845 we're about to end huh well it's going to be 845 pretty quick isn't it we well, were
0: actually originally scheduled to end this at eight twenty. We then bumped it to eight thirty-five. Yeah, but uh,
1: we bumped it because we, we lost, five. Lost, uh, Dr. Henson, who I understand is going to be, is she, she going to be with us Thursday or Monday? Thursday. Thursday. That's great. The, we we should tell people that w- one of Oregon's biggest, most knowledgeable experts on COVID is going to be on the show on Thursday morning. That's you not how she would out. characterize it's herself, but she is at.
0: very smart. Dad, go ahead. Any quick headline? Otherwise, draw okay, the wind, because we got headline, Katie Watkins rational. on the phone uh, right it's
1: now. State and local, if you, would like to, if you would like to operate a hot springs, the U.S. Forest Service is looking for help with the Bagby Hot Springs. Uh, it's, this is not important, but the Pickles beat the Gherkins 2-1 to one yesterday, which is the fact that there was a baseball game is kind of neat. And Wallawa County, there are folks in Wallawa County who are putting up signs to visitors that say don't come back and please stay out, trying to reduce the uh, danger of COVID to Wallawa County. Bunch of national news. shall I lot of your listeners like just wait till Thursday.
0: Well, why don't we get to a straw in the wind? Because we got Katie Watkins waiting patiently.
1: Okay. Like a straw. In the wind. Well, I have three straws in the wind. One sad, one encouraging, and one hard to say. The discouraging, unless the Supreme Court acts by 4 o'clock Eastern Time today, Daniel Lee will be the first person executed by the federal government in 17 years for a murder he committed. 24 years ago and the fact that 24 years has elapsed underlines the futility of capital punishment. The encouraging one, USC has decided to remove the John Wayne exhibit because some seriously racist stuff that John Wayne had to say years ago have come to life and then, is it good or is it bad? We will see there are several fracking firms that are looking at bankruptcy going down, which might be good, except that if that happens, the pollution of the wells that they are abandoning may go up. Those are straws in the wind.
0: Well, Dad, we did it one more time.
1: We did it indeed, and we'll be back on Thursday. Love you, Dad.
0: Love you, Pop.